Hey everybody, welcome to 514 Church. I want to welcome everybody that is watching online, live streaming right now. Thanks for being with us for a new series today for Panoramic. Of course, everybody in the room, we're so glad that you guys are here. My wife and I had the chance to go to a beautiful uh, place in upstate New York last week called Lake George. Has anybody ever been to Lake George? Lake George is beautiful. It's a beautiful, enormous lake. And it's where Fort William Henry is. And we went there and um, uh, we went to this part uh, where there's a park, kind of the, the, the part you take the kids and there's a boardwalk and, and, and sightseeing options available in Lake George. We walked right down there. And as soon as I, I got down to that spot, you could tell why they picked that spot because it was just so beautiful. And I pulled my phone out immediately and just started to take pictures. And I just was taking pictures. And this is just one of the pictures that I took. There's Katie with our, our little uh, two-week-old there and just walking through Lake George. And then I went over to the left, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful over here, and I, I went over to the right, and I took this picture over here, and I'm just literally sitting there going like, how in the world am I going to get all of this beautiful sight in one picture? And then I remembered, I got the, five, the iPhone 5S. I could just go panoramic on you, Lake George. And so... <laughs> I pulled this thing out and I'm just like sitting in the, in the dock, you know, I swipe that thing over and I'm just, I'm, I'm just panning the entire thing. And I mean, it's amazing the difference of, of the panoramic view versus just the normal everyday view. And of course, if I showed you this picture, you go, man, that's beautiful. Like, I mean, this is just a pan. There's plenty of beautiful, you know, pictures out there we could have picked, but this is just one that I took. And I don't know how to take pictures. I just took a picture because I'm like, well, that's a cool looking mountain with some lake water in front of it. And I'm like, this is great. And, 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 and I'm going, you would think that that's beautiful. There's a lot going on there, but when you add all the other pieces, it, I mean, it just shows you, I mean, like some of the most beautiful parts of Lake George miles away and there's bigger mountains down there and you kind of get to see this lakefront town play out and just, I mean, what a day. Look at the, look at the clouds in the sky. I mean, it was quite the day and I was thinking to myself, how amazing is it that with a panoramic phone, with a, with a panoramic camera, that I can capture that. That I can actually like show more of the full view at the same time. And I was thinking, you know, I almost forgot. Like I almost forgot that I could do that. And I get to, we get to this point in, in our like technology world where we're, there's so much technology, right? That there's so much that you can do that you forget what you can actually do. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, I mean, I can do this. I can put a filter over it. I can, da, 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 da. I mean, you can get a GoPro. You can just go crazy taking pictures. And, and I thought, you know, with a panoramic view, there is so much more that you can see. There's so much more out there, and we just get to get a snapshot of it and bring it in front of people. And so often, we live our lives thinking that, you know, there's only one view. We think, this is what I got, this is the best I got, this is what I'm going to live with, and we can completely forget, just like I did, that there's so much more out there, and that we can actually capture it, and we can actually experience it. And then you take it to a whole other level. Having just the normal view and then adding a panoramic view saying, wow, there's so much more. 
even the panoramic view doesn't compare to what it was like to being there. And you can capture things and you can get the panoramic view and you get, but then there's being there. At the very least, it's easy to lose sight of how beautiful things can be when you get a broader perspective. It's just amazing. And I'm so glad that I can like bring back and share a piece of this. And there's so much to be said about this idea of having a panoramic perspective, about having a broader view of the world and what is in it and what is not in it and moving in that direction. So many of us, we believe that our lives, if we were to completely surrender them to God, we believe that our lives would be like this. You see, a lot of us think that a relationship with God is going to take our lives from all the stuff that the world has to offer, all the fun, all the relationships, all the experiences, and you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, I'm going to live this right now because right now my life is full. And if I give my life to God, I'm going to have to cut so many things out of my life. I'm going to have to like just give up on things. I'm going to have to not experience what God has. Anybody feel that way? Anybody feel like, you know, I've given my life to God, but for me to fully, fully follow God, then that means I'm going from the great things that the world has to offer, and then I have to give up so much that it's going to be less when I follow God. Some of you are like on the, you're on the borderline and you're deciding whether or not you're going to follow God at all. And your perspective of following God is going from all the things the world has to offer to the small picture. So many of us have this idea that when we surrender our will to God, that life becomes worse. That life becomes, you know, boring. That life becomes sacrificial. And some of us are like, you know what, I'm going to give like my heart to God. I'm going to follow him a little bit. But there's no way I'm going to do everything that he tells me to do because I'm not going to give up on the full view. I love this. What is that thing in your life? You have your relationship with God. Come on, just come here with me. You put your arm around God. And you got that thing in your life. And you're going, God, I love you, man but I can't give this up. Is that thing that you're holding on to so great that with the idea of having God on one side of your life and it in your hand, that you really, looking at God and looking at it, you would go, I can't give it up. What if God whispered to you? What if God said to you, hey, that thing that you're holding in your hand, that life that you're living, that belief that you have, you're holding on to that. And I promise you, I know you think that that thing is filling up your life, but it's not. And what if God told you, if you let go of that thing and let me put what I think you should have in your hand, what if he said that if you did that, that that would bring you to the experience on earth that God has for you, would you be willing to do it? You see, so many of us fall into the trap 
of thinking that following God and living our lives for God and spending daily time with God and surrendering our will to God and and loving people the way that Jesus loved people and all the different pieces that just seem like they're so hard. You think that that is less. You think that following God means you have to cut out all the beauty all the things that God would have for you, you think, I'm going to lose that, and I just don't know if I'm willing to. And maybe you've seen people make sacrifices, and maybe you've heard pastors and leaders say, you know, in order to follow God, you've got to give things up. You've got to let things go. And part of that is true, but it's not the whole picture. If you believe that following God means that your life is going to be less exciting less fulfilling, less full, then you've been lied to. You've been told a lie. You've bought into the halfway version of following God. And what it means is the opposite is true. It means that when you follow God, you get more. I mean a lot more. I mean, like, God has a plan for you where he says, I know that you think that when you do all the things that you want to do, that that is filling up your life and it is full. But I promise you that if you follow me and you listen to me and you let me guide you, that your idea of full will change. You see, Jesus tells us that he has this plan for you, that he has this promise for you. And it's, a, it's all based upon a decision to fully engage him and believe that his life that he has for you is better than the one that you have for you. And I mean that in every way. It's better. It's going to change your perspective. It's going to change your surroundings. It's going to change the people around you. You may have horrible experiences. You may have difficult times. But if you embrace the life that God has for you, if you say, I want, if you grab him around, you say, I'm going to let go of what I think fullness is, and I'm going to take what you think the full view is, God, I promise you that regardless of what journey you go on, regardless of the way that the, 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 the storms come and the challenges come, that you will go, I'm so glad I listened to God and I did it his way because his way is way better. But we've been tricked into thinking that the full view is doing it our way, when really the full view is responding to God. In Scripture, in the Bible, we have this amazing piece of literature, this amazing written account where a man named John, and at church here we always talk about these guys who wrote the Bible because it's so easy to pick up that old book and dust that thing off and be like, man, you know, some guys that are completely irrelevant wrote this thing. I don't know what this means. I don't know what it is. Here's the thing. This guy named John was one of these followers of Jesus. When Jesus started to make himself known through miracles and conversations and, and, and doing wonderful things and telling people he was God, what happened is he had some guys follow him around. And a lot of those guys, Jesus was in his 30s. Uh, his next tier of guys was like in, his, in their 20s. And then he had a lot of teenagers. And then the youngest one was John. 
And John has the amazing perspective of being like the little kid that comes along for the ride. You ever have that like in the car, you're driving along, you got the little kid, maybe you have brothers and sisters, you got the little kid that's along on the ride. And sometimes they just say things and they see things that are just like so crystal clear and you're just like, well, that's true. That's exactly what that is. Like my kids will say things when we have them along on the ride that's just like, you know what, if they weren't here, I would have never seen that. And they can bring this, this world that we live in to life. You know, when you grow up as a kid, you think that trucks, especially as a boy, are awesome. I mean, you think that they're awesome. You grow older and you're like, it's associated with work. I don't want anything to do with it. This is a pain. My kids, we will drive by and I would just be normally driving, doing whatever I'm doing, and eight concrete mixer trucks will drive by. And my kids are just like, it's a cement mixer, it's a mint mixer, it's a mint mixer. And I'm like, dude, that's true. There's a lot of concrete trucks right there. And I would have never thought of it. And if you were looking in, you'd be like, there's a minivan surrounded by concrete trucks. But because I get older and it doesn't matter to me, my kid brings this perspective. That's John. John had the privilege of having a relationship with Jesus. And he was the one whom Jesus loved. He, he had like his, his Peter, who, who, this guy who was like this follower, who was like going to be the, the leader of, 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 of the church. And then he had these guys that were going to follow Peter. And then he had this guy, John. And this guy, John, you guys are all laughing that I said that Jesus had his Peter. I saw some of you. Just let's bring that in. Jesus did have, he was a guy, okay? He was a guy, Peter, and then he had his disciples, and then he had this guy, John. And this guy, John, was along for the ride, and he was learning, and he was like, he got to see Jesus do all these things from that perspective, and he got to watch Jesus live this thing out, and he got to watch Jesus do miraculous things. And after Jesus left, um, John went on to be one of the greatest storytellers, to be one of the greatest leaders of the church. He was one of the greatest. He ended up being a guy that got put into prison for following Jesus. He was tortured. He was, um, he was put in on this island in exile. He ended up writing the book of Revelation. Anybody ever like started off reading the Bible and you read the last book in the Bible called Revelation and then you read that and you were like, and I'm never going to read the Bible again because there are dragons and fire and serpents and three-headed men with wings. I mean, that's literally, he had this vision, John, of the, the life that God would bring his people into in the future. And he wrote this book, and this is what's so cool. John wrote this book, and he wrote some other books called First, Second, and Third John. And those books are all about love. They're all about this this huge heart that God has to, to love and lead his people. And when John wrote the book of John, it was probably in like 90 AD, and it was after he had been beaten up, it was after he had been tortured, it was after he saw the city of Jerusalem get destroyed by outside forces, he watched his world in the name of Jesus get ripped apart. He watched his personal life in the name of Jesus get ripped apart. And all of that happened because some of those guys followed Jesus. And in this passage, regardless of all of that, even though he's been in exile, even though he's seen his world ripped apart, even though he's been tortured and left for dead, all of those things, John still tells us that a relationship with Jesus 
is the best thing you could have. That's amazing. That's like going through the gauntlet and coming out on the other side and saying, it's all worth it with Jesus. And here's what he tells us. And he tells us that our perspective on the world is wrong. That we think that our way is full, but actually God's way is full. And here's what he says, and maybe you've seen this before. This is what John wrote. He's talking, this is John writing about Jesus, and Jesus is calling himself in this passage the good shepherd. And so he's the good shepherd, and he's talking about sheep. And he is saying that he has come into the world that they, the sheep, the people that follow him, uh, will have life. So here's, here it is. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. To the full. Now, when Jesus says that he wants you to have life to the full, he doesn't mean some slighted, like, you're going to eventually get there. He means, I have something for you that is so much better than what you have for you. It's, it's this perspective. You just have to believe that it's there and follow the leader. If you believe that it's there and you follow the leader, then you're going to experience full. Now, in the context, Jesus breaks this thing down into two different categories. And this is the hard part. Because we like to say that we're not in a category. But what Jesus does so often as one of the best teachers is he puts all of us in a category. And what he says is that your life is not unlike a pen kind of a farm with fenced in, you're a sheep inside of this pen, and you're going to have one of two things happen to you as a result of the way you respond to the leadership that comes into your pen as a sheep. And he says this, he says this, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So what he does is he just draws a line in the sand. And he says, even if you think that your life is the best it could be, maybe you have all the stuff you want, maybe you don't have that much trouble, there's two different versions of life. The first one is where even if you aren't experiencing pain, eventually it's where you're headed. You see, if you don't follow Jesus, what's happening in your life, whether you know it or not, is these three things. There are things that whether you know it or not that are being ripped out of your life that are important. There are things that you want to be alive that are dying. And there are things that you value that are being destroyed. If you are living your life and you're going, I believe in my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to live my life. This is my view. I don't want God's view. Then what's happening is you are subjecting yourself to this thief person, which could be this spiritual enemy that we believe in the church is either the devil. This could be uh, a person in your life. This could be um, an idea in your life. Whatever it is that comes in to destroy, kill, steal from you. So what this is, is no matter where you are, if you live in New Albany, Ohio, you may be the best of the worst. You may have the best life of the worst kind of life. Even if you think that your life is fantastic, what God says is even if you're at the top of the bottom, you are still at the bottom and this is eventually what is going to happen. You see, if you don't follow and you don't surrender and you don't follow the the good shepherd then you are going to end up in some version of these three things. This is what's going to happen. 
And that's what's so, so terrible about it is you may actually think that because you're not following Jesus and you're holding on to your way and you're holding on to your view, you may actually think that you're gaining something. You may actually think that like you're putting money in the bank and you're saving for your future and, and you've got this house or you've got this job. And actually what's happening is if you don't embrace Jesus, that thing that you think you're gaining is actually being sucked out of your life and it's being stolen. And for a season you might sense that it's good, but really according to Jesus, you're just at the top of the bottom. It's just, there's people that are at the bottom of the bottom and they don't follow Jesus. And then there's people that are at the top of the bottom. And they're called the up and outers. You see, you got the down and outers and then you got the up and outers. New Albany, Gehanna, Pataskala. This is the up and outers. There's a lot of people that have a lot of stuff. And it's not just monetarily. They're just comfortable. They're just living their life. And the bottom line is, is that they're saying... I'm not following Jesus' view. I'm taking my view. I'm doing it my way. This happens when you're really, really young. In high school, you make this decision. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to grab on. All my friends are doing this. I'm going to come over here and do this. And you may have some fun things that happen. But what God says is, ultimately, you're headed down this road. Ultimately, you're headed down this road. It's going to be destroyed it's going to be, and, and the part that's so sad about this is what he says is that you're a sheep, you're a follower, and you have the option to follow the good shepherd and experience this fullness that I'm going to talk about. But what you're doing is you're making a decision to follow the thief. You're making a decision to embrace the small view of life when God says, I have this panoramic experience that is way better than you think. You just are holding that thing in your hand and you're trying to hold on to me at the same time. It doesn't work that way. He goes on, he says, I have come that they may have life. And when he says life, I just want to camp out on this for a second because what Jesus does here is something that's, that, that's amazing. What he does is he breaks down this life eternity experience for us because all of us want to know like okay if I follow Jesus like what does that mean for eternity and then what does that mean for tomorrow what does that mean for tomorrow like what does a full life with Jesus look like tomorrow when he says that I've come that they may have life the first thing he hits on is he says when you embrace me and you listen to my voice and you embrace that I have a view that's better for you then I'm going to lead you eventually to eternal life. You are going to get to heaven. Now, here's the thing I just want to put in your mind about heaven. Because a lot of us, we will decide, say, okay, God, I want your view. I want to do things your way. I want to follow you. And a lot of us will hang our hat on following God because of heaven. And a lot of times our, our motives can be twisted. And we think, I just want to get to heaven. Because when I get to heaven, it's going to be great. Let me tell you something about heaven. When you get there, the best part about heaven is definitely going to be the streets of gold that you walk on. No, it's not. Well, maybe it says, the best part about heaven is going to be the crystal sea. No, not going to be. Okay, the best part of heaven is going to be a huge angelic choir that when it sings, it sounds like 
living water. And that is going to be a worship experience. And when you hear that choir, you're going to go, that's going to be the best part. No, it's not. Well, maybe the best part of heaven, because the Bible talks about how when you get to heaven, that you're going to have these crowns, and there's these people with these jewels, and maybe the best part of heaven is going to be the part where you get some reward. No, it's not. You see, the best part about heaven is the best part about earth. It's Jesus. The best part of heaven is Jesus. So if you are on earth right now and you're thinking, I can't wait to get to heaven for this other thing that's going to come to me, you're missing the point because the best part of earth is Jesus and the best part of when you get to eternity will be Jesus Christ. You see, the author that wrote this also wrote that book that I told you about, the book of Revelation, and it talks about how the golden roads and the crystal sea and the angelic choir and all the different crowns, that all of that surrounds a throne that God is on and sitting in God's lap is the Lamb of God, Jesus. And everyone in heaven is pointing towards Jesus. They're praising Jesus. They're saying, holy is the lamb who was slain. John wants you to know that the best part of life here, the best part of life then, is Jesus. So you have to ask yourself this question. What am I developing every day? Am I just waiting for, for everything to line up in my life circumstantially, and then I'm going to thank Jesus? Or am I completely falling in love with the person of Jesus Christ because I know that even if I can't understand it, he's the best part of today, and he's the best part of tomorrow. You see, you cannot trick God. You can trick the person sitting next to you. You can trick your spouse. You can even trick yourself. But you can't trick God. He knows if your view of a full life is, I'm going to get mine someday. C.S. Lewis said, aim for heaven. And you'll get earth thrown in. Aim for earth. And you get neither. You see, John wants you to see that the full view of life is understanding the author of it and knowing him. We all are chasing our tails. You are going to experience abundance when you know the Father the way that he wants you to. You've got to put your arm around God and say, God, whatever you want to put in my hand, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to believe that because you authored, built, breathed existence, that it's going to be the full view. It's going to be better. He says, I come that you may have life. That's heaven, and the best part of heaven is Jesus. Tell me, can I just be a preacher for a second? The best part of heaven is Jesus. No? I think maybe for some of you, that's like, oh, crap. Right? You know, Jesus talks about, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're thinking, dude, I'm going to get my mansion when I get to heaven. That's what you're hoping, right? That's because you don't understand. 
You see, what it should be is that our understanding of the person of Jesus evolves and develops on earth. And we get to that place, and when we get to see him face to face, we go, ooh, that's just not a four by three. No, 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 that's just not a 16 by nine. Ooh, no, 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 that's just not a panoramic view, which is life on earth, the best possible view of life on earth. Now, that is, I'm present. I'm with him. And this is the best thing for me. If you don't believe that the best thing for you is an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, no matter what you try to fill your life up with, it will fail. It will fail. Our job here is to ask you to rely on him. Our job here is to to paint the picture for you to see him, for your heart to yearn for the person of Jesus Christ. That's our job. He goes on, I mean, eternity, the best part of heaven is Jesus. Man, it can all go away. You see, you get to go to heaven, and you get to go wakeboarding with Jesus on the crystal sea, but the best part of wakeboarding with Jesus on the crystal sea is not the wakeboarding, it's Jesus that you get to wakeboard with. I don't know why I just keep thinking about wakeboarding. Crystal sea, I mean, that would be a sick experience, wouldn't it? It's like, dude, Jesus, are you driving the boat? I mean, Jesus, will you make the wake a little higher? Sure. I mean, this is like, be perfect. Jesus, I can't actually get up on the wakeboard. Will you help me? Sure. I did that with Peter. He didn't even have a wakeboard. Church joke. The best part of heaven is Jesus. Mm, We can live in that. And that's not it. He doesn't finish there. I've come that you may have life. Me in the future, you're going to love it. You don't think you're going to love it, but it's going to be great. And that you may have it to the full, which means it starts today. The full view, the experience of knowing Jesus starts today. It starts right now. You get to know him and you get to have a relationship with him that brings you to the point of surrendering the things that you think fills your life up and filling it with what God wants you to fill it with. You see, when John uses this word, it's a very specific word. It isn't just like the cup got filled up, it was, it was, it was to the top. It actually means overflowing. It actually means beyond. The word full here, and he's talking about what you can have today, is this. He says that this is your way of experiencing that which goes way beyond necessity. Way beyond what you need. God is not in the business of giving you the least. And I mean in every way. You have the opportunity of knowing the Savior. He says, I want to give you the best. There's a passage in Scripture where Jesus is talking and he says, Who among you? If your children asked for bread, would give them a stone. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us bread. He gives us more than enough bread. He overflows, feeds 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. Now, some of us, when we talk about life beyond necessity, our mind goes immediately to material things. And that's the problem. That's the problem. 
You see, you get to have a relationship with Jesus where he will absolutely bless you in every way. When you depend upon him, you obey him. He has the, on his resume, if all things are equal, to, to just he may be trying to do something in your life where he rips things away. There's a story in the Old Testament about that. But the bottom line is, is that if you live your life for God, he'll bless you with material possessions. He'll give you money. It's his, he'll give it to you. But what happens is, is if your mindset is on that, he knows. And when he's talking about a full, full view, he's not just saying, I'm going to give you a nice house. I'm going to give you a nice car. I'm going to give you. No, no, no. He moves. He says, now let's move off the material possessions and let's ask God for what can happen mentally. You see, your view of God is stuck if you don't surrender your entire life to him because your mind isn't being developed the way that God can develop it. So many of us are losing our minds. In between the ears, we are not experiencing the fullness that God has for us because we haven't surrendered to him. And we think he's just going to fill up my bank account and give me new this. And he's saying, I have more for you mentally. Like I made your brain. You're living in a trap. You are seeing the small picture mentally. I have a full view for you. Will you follow me and get to experience the abundance way beyond necessity, not just to get through life? How about, just fast, you got your, your, your material world. How about mentally? How about emotionally? Scripture teaches that we're emotional beings. When God says, I've come that you may have life to the full, he's saying, I want to Have your experience emotionally be everything that I designed it to be. I'm going to take you out of darkness and brokenness, and I'm going to give you fullness. And what it it doesn't mean that you're not going to cry. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. You see, your view of fullness is not his view of fullness. God's approach to things might be that things get difficult, but because you hold on to him, you have the most important piece of life. And emotionally, you go through this hills and valley, but you understand God is in control. It's bigger than what you think. How about relationally? Are your relationships all that they're supposed to be? I mean, you may think, if you're a high school student, I just want to date him. If I could just date him, then it would be everything. My life would be her, him, that, that thing. And God's going, if you surrender your will to me, relationally, I promise your view of relationship will change to my view, and regardless of what happens, it will be better. In fact, it won't just be like you get to grow up and have a normal house, and you get to have a normal relationship. No, no, no. It's going to be way beyond necessity. I'm going to give you way more than you thought. Way more. Physically. Some of us are going through this horrible physical existence. You see, God has the ability with, with, with your illness, with your sickness, to come into your life and say, even in your sickness, I can make your life full. Because I will drop a piece of eternity into your heart that will bring you through it all. And you will be the person that though they lack physical gifts or physical um, uh, kind of stability, people look at and say, that person, I don't know what it is, they are living a full life. And all of this fullness, 
all the fullness that's beyond necessity that God has for you, that God has for me, it all comes when you decide to believe that it's there. Because your idea of living the dream is not God's idea. You see, another translation of full is, is John is saying, I want you to believe that God's life for you is beyond your wildest dreams. So you take your wildest dreams and they don't even compare to what God has for you. But if you don't believe that God has that for you, how are you ever going to listen to him and follow him into that experience? Because over the next couple weeks, the whole thing is going to move towards there's fullness for you if you're willing to listen and follow. You see, the starting point for an abundant life is the recognition of its, of its existence. And if you think that you've topped out, you've topped out at the bottom. You're at the top of the bottom. God, or you, God has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. So you have to say right now, every single one of us has to have this humble moment where we come to God and we say, something is missing. Something is missing. There's something missing. If you don't know Jesus right now, I promise you that you have this, this hole in your heart and you've known it for a long time. Something's missing. Something's missing. I keep trying to fill my life up with the wrong things. Something's missing. And for those of you that have given your life to Jesus and you're just not surrendering, you just continue to say, my view is better than his view. I want to do it my way. You know something is missing. The fullness that you think you have is really emptiness compared to a relationship with Jesus. Who's willing to take whatever that is in your hand, whatever that thing is, whatever that belief is, whatever that position in your life is, and say, I know I need to let this go. God, this, this is my idea of full. Will you show me yours? I promise you that the panoramic view is way better. There's more to it. And God has it for you. Let's pray.